In the past year, we've got to see God do some amazing things here at Thrive and through my relationship with our team and even at Fellowship, and I'm very humbled and blessed to be here. Now, today's going to be a little challenging for me because I'm going to share with you some things about me that if you don't know me too well, may shock you. If you do know me really well, you're going to be saying amen, and I'm going to have to try to keep you guys in check from going a little too crazy here. Because for those of you who know me, you know I tend to be just a tad bit competitive. <laughs> I rest my case. Um, and so to the point, and I'll, I'll admit this because my parents are in the back, and some of, you, <laughs> some of you have really seen this, I like to stir the pot on games where I can like control the outcome and it's fun like spinning things and seeing people get mad when they're starting to understand what I'm doing but the other person isn't. There's one person in particular in the back corner who I've never seen get as angry except when we were playing a game because I did that. But I, I'm getting off track. But the fact of the matter is like I'm very competitive and I love these type of games. And so one day a couple weeks ago I was watching... I was scrolling through Netflix. It was one of those evenings where I was just struggling, trying to find things to do, and I came across this show called The Mole. And it piqued my interest because the trailer was, like, showing some funny stuff. And basically, the layout of the show was you had all these contestants come in together, and their job was to complete these challenges. And then if they complete the challenges, they win money, money goes into the pot, and then the last person standing gets the money that they won for the team. The catch is there was one person who had a very different goal than everybody else. One person was the mole. Their job was to go in, disrupt the team, sabotage the challenges, drain money from the fund. And I looked at this show and I was like, oh, I would love to do this. Not the best thing to say from the pulpit, but you know. It, it, it was going to be fun for me. And so I watched, and, and the rule was, they were trying to find out who the mole was. And at the end of every episode, they would take a test, and they would try to point out or give characteristics of who they thought the mole was. And whoever got it wrong or got the worst score on the test, they were voted out. The funny part was the mole never got voted out. The mole was there for the entire game, but they just kept guessing. And so there was all the strategy and things going into it. And I, I was sitting there, and it was about halfway through, and I realized, man, as a Christian, there are a lot of things in my life that I've let sabotage me like there are a lot of things that I have chosen to accept or things that I've indulged or things that I've gone through that are, are draining the, the money from me or are sabotaging me or throwing me off and so I started diving into it and if you have your Bibles or your phones with the Bible app we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and I, I love Timothy because again He's a young guy who's feel called to ministry, like he's being discipled by these older guys, and that's something I can relate to. I really enjoy hearing Pastor Dave talk about how young I am, because I do not feel young. Okay? I'm about to turn 28. I'm hanging with the teenagers a lot. If you want to feel old, hang with teenagers a lot. They will be more than happy to tell you how old you are and remind you on a regular basis. So, but anyway, so Timothy is someone who Paul is just pouring into, and we get to this, and as the first bit of this chapter, in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, we get kind of an idea of what the culture is going to be looking like, and what the world is going to be shaping into, and so if we're going to read through this, and it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, deprisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. And so when I read that, I doubt I'm the only person who can read that and just look at the world around us and see some parallels, right? Because, I mean, we're living in a pretty challenging time. But when I ask the question, who is the mole? I have to ask, is it me? And I'm going to put my cards on the table. It is me. And it's going to be you in your life as well. So to figure out how to battle this, because these are all characteristics that at some point in time we struggle with. But to figure out how to fight the mole, we have to be able to address who he is and what part of our lives it's affecting. So I made a list of things that apply to the mole. And so how do you identify the mole? Number one, the mole has a different mission than you. As believers in Christ, God has made our plan, his plan for us very clear. We're to know Christ and make him known. We're supposed to go and follow the Great Commission and share the gospel to anybody who can listen. That's pretty straightforward. The mole is going to tell you that your mission can be a little different. It's not about the gospel. It's about you. It's not about what Jesus did. It's not about making his name known. It's about your name. It's about proving your worth and showing what you are capable of above all else. The mole will convince you that your mission is different. Number two, the mole will try to prove it's worth keeping around. There are some things, and I'll tell you, I've struggled with this a lot. There are some things in my life I know I need to get rid of, but because of the little benefit that they give me, I keep around. I love McDonald's. Love McDonald's, okay? But I know it's not going to provide the nutrients that I need, and if I indulge in it too much, it's going to cause me a problem. And I know because of my health issues that some of you know about, like it adds an extra level of threat to me. And so I know, knowing this, I still indulge in going to McDonald's even though I know my doctor will kill me. Forget my doctor. My mom will kill me. <laughs> like my mom has looked at my bank account sometimes and is like, Diet's going a little off track today, ain't it? That reminds me, i got to block mom off that account. But anyway. <laughs> and so it will basically say, you know what, for those few seconds of pleasure, it's worth having me around. It doesn't matter what I'm doing to your body. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. I- I'm helping you through this. I'm a little bit of comfort, so it- it's worth keeping. Number three, the mole will use comparison to create division. A lot of you know I go to the gym a lot, and there's my gym, there's a lot of competitive power lifters, okay? And I'm, I'm a big dude, okay? My dad, you can see him in the back. He and I pretty much, we, we, we represent well. Like, we're not mistaken for small a whole lot. But I get to the gym, and there are some people who weigh half my body weight who are able to move twice my weight. And if I'm looking at them, and I get so focused on what they're doing, that I'm losing track of where my walk is supposed to be, I'm not having any progress. I'm not going to make any improvements because I'm too busy trying to prove I'm on the level of somebody who is farther along instead of trying to grow myself. We can do that in the church a little bit too, can't we? Like we can look at the people who are up on the stage, and I will tell you, anybody who's up on the stage has not made it. 
We haven't achieved it. We are simply people who have recognized what God has done in our life, and we want to make that known. Anybody who stands up here, if I ever stand up here and make it seem like I have it all together, please know I do not. But I can't focus on comparing myself to Dave or Victor or James. I have to know that God has a plan for me, and he's going to guide me through that. The enemy wants you to lean into that and recognize if you're not serving in a way that is similar to Dave or Victor, then apparently you're not serving right. Or maybe if you're called to something different, he's going to try to convince you that you have to measure up to the people in the church instead of focusing on the mission of the church and where God's called you individually. So, man, I get fired up. So the mole thrives in mediocrity. Being able just to sit back and not really put in a whole lot of effort, finding the spot where they can just blend in, that's where they're going to get you. Because when you're out doing something, people are going to be watching. But if you're just blending in, if you're just a seat filler, if you're just content staying where you're at, you're giving the enemy plenty of room to work. The mole will downplay any setback or damage it causes. I don't think I have to explain that one too much. We see it. We all know the damage that it's caused. In the game, I, I saw on the show, the mole, like the last episode, is literally taking chunks of money and throwing it off a cliff instead of letting the team get it. Like they, and then they will try to play it off like, oh, we're just making the sled lighter. Or all this. They'll try to give you a reason of why that damage is acceptable. It's not. The mole will slowly and steadily pick away. It's not going to be a quick process. It's going to be something that erodes at you. Casting Crowns has a song called It's a Slow Fade. It's a fact. It's not going to be an instantaneous you wake up and you're somewhere far from where you want to be. It's going to be you've been taking a steady route that way. Even if it's the slightest step in the wrong direction, you keep going on that path, you're going to way off track down the road. And the mole will grow bolder over time. He starts losing his subtlety. If I know I'm able to start messing with somebody, if I knew I was getting away with something once, you better believe I'm going to try to get away with it again. And then I'm going to try to one-up it. People know if they're joking around with me. I, Ellie and I have the conversation sometimes of if we start pranking each other, hey, we're going to keep upping it. That's what the enemy does with us too. It's, hey, you know what? I got away with this once. It's going to get worse from here. And last, last description of the mole the mole is not going to be eliminated until the game's over. I hate to break it to you, but you and I are human. You and I are made in God's image, but however, we also have a sin nature. Until Jesus comes back, we aren't getting away from the mole. We aren't getting away from the challenges. We aren't getting out of this. We're never going to conquer it and say we're there. This is a process. This is going to be a journey. And this is an enemy we cannot take on our own. And so for, like, Pastor Dave, he was sharing a bit of my story there. And this topic is very important to me because when I came to fellowship, I was in a very, very bad place. Because I had let the mole for years pick away at what I was doing. It was picking away at my mission and was convincing me that I was okay where I was at. I was serving in a full-time ministry at a camp in Michigan. I was in a relationship with someone who said they were a believer. I had all these things going for me, but I got so comfortable in filling a role. I got so comfortable 
with the rewards overlooking the damage that I justified a lot. And so it took God bringing me to rock bottom. Everything that I had built for myself fading away and recognizing that the only way I'm going to beat this is with God's help for me to make any progress at all. Guys, I could go through a list of how the mole has sabotaged my life over the past two to three years. And, it, and it's... It breaks my heart. And I, I look back at my parents and... There's a lot of it they don't even know. But the trick is now we've identified it. Now we fight it. It doesn't get to sit there. It doesn't get to just stay put. We have been equipped with a means to shut him down. And we have a power that is far beyond anything that the mole or our enemy can bring. So now that we've described it, now we've figured it out. Let's learn some strategies on how we can fight it. So, 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 through 17. I told you we're going to be bouncing around a little bit. It says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose of faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Icium, and Lystria. What persecutions I endured, but of, them, of, of all of them the Lord delivered me. Yea, and that all will live godly in Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in things which thou hast learned, and hast endured, or has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that, a ch- and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. So first tip, first strategy that I have recognized that God has shown me when it comes to dealing with the mole is number one. Keep everything in the light. The enemy thrives in darkness. There is a reason why the Bible uses light and dark as the examples so much. Because when when there's a light shone, you see everything that's going on. There's not anything that can be hidden. There's no specks that you're not able to see. It's bright and it's right there. The enemy wants to convince you that the challenges that you're facing, the things that you need to address, they're comfortable in the dark. Out of sight, out of mind. They want to convince you that if you just ignore it, it's going to go away. They want to convince you that you have the means to deal with it yourself. Whereas throughout the Bible, and we see an example of it in Timothy, because we see Paul, who is, an, who is a leader in the church, a strong believer, someone who God used drastically, now has taken somebody under their wing and has developed a relationship to where they now are leaning into each other and growing in their walk, not just in ministry, but as they draw closer to God. That's what the church is supposed to be. And I want, you to, I want to make this very, very clear. And I should have said this right at the beginning. When we're talking about the mole, when we're talking about things like this, this isn't a witch hunt looking for somebody in the church. I don't want you sitting here looking, trying to figure out who's the mole in the church. Okay? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. If you're busy looking around and trying to point fingers of how you are better than somebody else in this room or in church in general, then I'm going to call you on this, and that is way out of line. 
Because as the church, we are supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ, helping each other grow, not trying to point fingers and blame each other. Like if we did our job as believers and we dealt with the moles and the situations in our life, then we came here living in full transparency and accountability with each other. Then we will be able to be what the church is designed to be and supposed to be. Okay, we're starting this off right. Like we're here at Thrive. We've been a church for, what, seven, eight months? And so we get a chance to set the tone for this right now. Like we get to decide, okay, are we going to be a church of accountability? Are we going to be a church of transparency? Are we going to represent what Jesus has called us to be? Or are we going to just continue pointing fingers thinking that we're okay? It's tough. <laughs> Living a life of accountability. It's not easy. I don't enjoy when I have to go to Dave and say I tripped up. I don't enjoy the feeling of knowing that I have fallen short and I dropped the ball because like the Bible says you have fully known my words. You've fully known it. You, you know my transgressions. You know my battles. And Dave has learned more about me and a lot of you have over the past year than most people have ever known about me. That's what we're supposed to be, bearing each other's burdens and in that way fulfilling the law of Christ. It doesn't mean I'm taking your cross all the way for you. It doesn't mean I'm putting all my faith in Dave to be Jesus in my life. No, I still have to pursue him. I'm still going after him. But now I have that accountability and that battle buddy to hold me onto the line, keep me on track, and keep me pushing forward. Because then the mole will not have anywhere to hide in my life if I have other people who have perspective on it and shining lights on it. Can't hide. Number one, keep everything in the light. Number two, don't take part in mole behavior. One of the strategies in this game, like I said earlier, the mole never got eliminated. So they're going through all these eliminations and they're seeing people fade away. And people would act like they were the mole. Because if people thought they were the mole, they took the test, they failed, they're sending people home. So you've got people who are on the team acting like they're the mole because they want to get further along. This is not an individual game when we're supposed to be in the church. Okay? This is not a last man standing situation. This is, we are a family. We are the body of Christ. I want my toes and my feet making it to the finish line and the races I go. Like I'm not wanting to cut things off and just leave it behind. No, we're supposed to stay together. And so for me, I, again, I know it's difficult because I look at, I'll admit, I look at Pastor Dave, I look at Pastor Bryce, I look at Tony, I, I look at Pastor Chris, I look at all of these men who are speaking into my life, and I am, there are times I'm envious of where they're at. I'm wondering, okay, why am I not able to be at the, the level that they are at? I'm not called to be another Dave. I'm not called to be another Tony. God has a plan specific for me, and if I am too busy trying to trip other people up or trying to live this 50-50 line, I'm sabotaging what God could do in my life. And if you're sabotaging what God is doing in your life, it's very easy, and you can, you can not even know this, you could be sabotaging people around you. It, it's, it, it's a fact. We're a small church here. It's easy to notice when people are missing. And if you're someone like me, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So it's very easy to know when I'm in a bad mood or when I'm struggling with something. And so I can just be going about life thinking everything is fine. But because you're looking at me and I, I could be tripping you up. We're not supposed to be going through this alone. 
We're supposed to be going through this together. Amen. And we cannot do that if we're too busy acting like the world or enjoying this 50-50 split of being Christ-like on Sundays and Wednesdays and worldly the rest of the week. How, how are we supposed to tell the world that, hey, you need Jesus more than you know if we don't need him enough to really deal with the stuff in our lives that need to be cut out? How am I going to tell you that you need Jesus and show you how much I love him if I'm not willing to give him everything? That means my habits. That means the things that I'm listening to, the things I'm watching. It means, honestly, the people I'm hanging with. There are so many aspects to it. And I'm, to the teenagers back here, this isn't just for the adults, guys. You're, you all have a chance right now to build a foundation and avoid the stuff that people like me have gone through. If you guys decide right now that these are things you want to cut out, you're going to save yourself a lot of pain. A lot of heartache. That's why I enjoy working with teens the way I do. It's not because I love dominating you guys at every game we possibly play. <laughs> I do, but it's because I recognize what God has done, and I want you guys not to be like me. I want God to be able to use you better than he's using me. And that's going to be a choice that you guys have to make. That's a choice all of us have to make. But it's a team. The prize is already determined, and we'll get to that in a second. And it says in verses uh, 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13, Yea, that all will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We already got enough against us. We don't need our teammates messing with us too. I'm just going to leave it at that. And if you're come again, this isn't a call out. This is something I'm guilty of too. But if you are capable of sitting in here and pointing fingers and thinking about somebody else in here in a negative way and you're not praying for them or taking active steps to help them grow, you are not helping. You are part of the problem. And I said I'm guilty of that too. Number three, and this one is the most important. You have to pay attention to every word that the host says. The host would go through and give them instructions and give them guidelines and rules of challenges. And the mole would intentionally use the host's words but spend them in a way that benefits them. The slightest change could throw somebody off. Like a challenge would be completely blown because a couple words were twisted. That's why it was so important that they got the information from the source. That means that you and I have to have our own individual relationship with God and spending time with him as individuals. Okay. If the only time you are, he, are spending with God, the only time you open your Bible is either in a rush in the morning or when you're at church, you're not hearing from the source in a way that can be beneficial. You're giving the enemy a chance to twist your words. He's given the enemy an opportunity to create that divide. Like, there have been many times when my dad and I were working out in the field. He has clear direction. He could be farther off, or he would just say, Hey, Stephen, go grab this. I don't understand what he's saying. There's some miscommunication there. And so it's not going to help anything if I run down the hill to mom, like, Hey, what does dad mean by this? <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> and then she's confused, too. 
But it's not going to help anything. No, if I want to be able to fix that communication problem, if I want to be able to help in that situation, I have to go to the source itself. I got to go talk to him. You can't expect God to be able to work in your life and change things if you're not talking to him. And you can't expect to let him help you through stuff if you're not listening to what he has to tell you also. I'm telling you, Dave and I have had this conversation, and I feel like people, a lot of the time, they use either right at the beginning of the day or right before they go to bed as their time for devos. And I, that's great, but I'm going to ask you a question. And this is kind of hypothetical, but if you want to answer, go ahead. When do you take a multivitamin? In the morning. The reason being is so that you can take that. It gives you the nutrients to help you through the day. It's supposed to help your body function at peak efficiency or improve things because that's what it's designed to do. You're not setting yourself up the best if you're taking a multivitamin right before you go to bed. Like, what is the point of that? It's like, yeah, I felt really healthy while I was asleep. It's not a good look. No, you need that during the day. So the same thing with our time with God. If we're not going to start our day off with it, and then we have the challenges come up, now we have the energy and the source to look to and say, okay, now we're able to move forward. This is what I need. Instead of getting to the end of the day, reading it, it was like, well, that would have been helpful at noon. That would have been helpful in the Starbucks line. I don't go to Starbucks. I'm, I'm not going there. <laughs> too, 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 too many people here are pro-Starbucks. But the, re- the point of all of this is I'm saying we have to consider the source. There is no source greater than God Almighty. And the letter that he wrote to us, it, it's our lifeline. If your life is not rooted in this, then you're, it's easy to get you sidetracked. It's more than a streak on the Bible app. It's more than just going through and listening to a podcast. No, you've got to put in effort. Because the mole is going to be putting in effort too. The more you draw closer to God, the more you fun- focus on what he's doing and you allow, him to ser- allow God to move and you start serving in the way he wants you to, the more you're going to become a target. The enemy knows how to fight us. And so why would he fight me? Why would he make me a target if I'm just sitting on the sidelines? Why would he make me a target if I'm sabotaging my people? He's going to make me a target if I'm taking steps and being more like Christ. I heard a story. There was a friend of mine. He was talking about how when he was in high school, he had this bully who just really focused. Like he made his life miserable. And when he, the first time this happened, he had no idea who this guy was. No idea. But come to find out, the guy who was beating him up and bullying him, he was somebody who his older brother had beat out on the football team. He took his spot. And so finally, he got to the point where he asked him, he was like, hey, man, what, what is the problem? Like, I haven't done anything to you. Why, why are you messing with me? And he looked at him, he's like, because you remind me of your brother, and he did something to me. You draw more like Christ. You don't remind the enemy of him. And if, he's sort of remi- if you're reminding him, he's, he can't do anything to him. He's tried that before. It's ended badly. And we all know how the, the book ends. It's going to end even worse. So if he can't touch him, if I'm looking like him, he's going to come at me. And instead of looking at that as a negative, we need to look at that as a privilege. Because I'm now in the fight. 
I'm now in the game. I'm, I am a target because I'm doing what God has called me to do. I made the comment, I can't remember who to, but the military, they have a deck of 52 cards. It's 52 targets that are overseas. And there's a face on every single one of those cards. And the military, if they have an opportunity to take out one of those targets, it's considered a high value. Like they, it is a perk. It is a major thing they're going for. I can't remember who I said to, but I, I remember saying, man, I want to be on the devil's deck of 52. I want to be at the point where God is using me so effectively that he will do whatever he can to take me out of the game. Not for my name, not for my sake, but because of what God is doing through me. Be careful. Because he'll test it. If you mean that, it's going to happen. But like I said, we already know how the story ends. And and like I said before, this isn't a winner-take-all. One person gets the prize. No, we all get to enjoy the prize of this down the road. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 5 through 8. But watch thou in all things, enduring affliction. Do the work of an evangelist with full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not only to me, but unto all of them that love his appearing. Our reward is already confirmed. It's already secured. So those of us who are believers, why are we trying to trip each other up? Why are we comfortable with this life of mediocrity? There is a world around us that is struggling, that is burning, and people are breaking in half, trying to find worth, trying to find value, trying to find a love and acceptance in something that you and I already have. Why are we cool just keeping that to ourselves? Why are we cool sitting back in mediocrity? Why have we let the mole become so strong in our lives? So I'm going to ask you, what what is the mole for you? What is the thing in your life that is slowing you down? What is the thing that popped in your head and you know is a challenge, you know is a bad thing, but for some reason you've accepted it being part of your life or or the value that you think it brings justifies the pain that it's going to cause? Because right now, you have an opportunity to deal with that. You don't have to stay in that broken state. I I can tell you, like I said, two years ago, I was breaking down in my apartment on a regular basis, struggling, not sure where God was taking me, not sure where God was at, not sure what was going to happen. Now, in a couple years later, through a lot of pain, a lot of challenges, a lot of humility, and a lot of help, I am so thankful for where God has me. And he has something in store for you. It might not look the same as what I'm doing. It might not look the same as the people around you. But he's got something in store for you. So how much is that worth to you? How much are you willing to sacrifice to get there? And for some of us, we we, we talk about this game. Some of you guys aren't even in the game yet. You're you're not a mole. You're, You're not a player. Because a lot of us, we have people in our lives who don't know the joy and the love that we have accepted. And I'll admit it, it it breaks my heart that I don't treat it with the the importance that it deserves. 
Because I, I don't want people going through my life, people that I know, being shocked about my faith. I don't want people that I know having the opportunity to talk to me about this, me dropping the ball and letting it go. Their eternity is worth my embarrassment. Their eternity is worth my possible humiliation. But as we already established, tribulations are going to come and go. Paul faced them. Every one of the apostles faced them. Jesus himself was the example of facing persecutions and continuing on through it because he knew the worth of what he was doing. I don't want my family to die and go to hell. I don't want my coworkers to go to hell. I don't want my friends to struggle. I, I want to be there for them. And so now for as the believers in Christ, it's time to get serious. It's time to get rid of the mole. And if you don't know the Jesus that, I, that I've talked about, if you don't know the Jesus that I serve, the Jesus that took somebody who was suicidal in an apartment, turned his life around, gave him a strong community, and now is up here being able to talk about what God has done, come and talk to me. Please, come, don't leave here tonight. Or tonight, good grief. I'm out of it. This, don't leave today without getting that settled. Come talk to me. Come talk to Dave. Come talk to any of us. We would love to, because I'll tell you what, that is the most important thing. That is the whole purpose of why we're here. It's not to get a spotlight. It's not to stand up here and be cool. It's so that you get a chance of knowing Jesus, and we get to spread it to as many people as possible. Because he saved my life, and he can do the same to you. So if you guys can bow your heads with me real quick. And like I said, man, for some of you in here, those of you who are believers, those of you who have given your life to Christ already, I know it's something that we all face, and it's a battle that will continue on all the way through, but it doesn't mean that we can't gain some ground. So if there's something in your mind right now, something that has been sitting there, something that you've been complacent with, something that you've justified being, something that is holding you back, something that's taken some of the worth out of what God has called you to do, I'm going to challenge you right now. God's waiting and ready for you to give it up. He's not holding it against you. He's been standing there the whole time waiting and begging you to give because he's got something incredible in store for you. Give it to him. Lean into the community. We have an amazing group of people here that God has been able to work through, and we all have crazy different stories. And because of that, I guarantee you there is somebody who is going to at least have a little bit of an idea of what you're going through. Don't let the enemy convince you that it is beyond repair. And if you're here and, like I said, you don't know Jesus, you haven't experienced the forgiveness or love that he's offered, again, please, come and see me. Come and see Dave. Come, come and see any of us because we want that settled now. Not because we're trying to demand it. It's because I love you and I want you to be able to live a life to the fullest and the only way we can do that is if we are serving the God who created us in the way he designed us to be served